<laughs> well, Billy absolutely mopped the floor with me on the uh, NCDOT trivia that we were challenged with. No, you made a pretty good comeback. Yeah, but then you you you, you pulled away at the end, and yeah. uh, it, it was it was a bloodbath. But Lisa did let me know that she'll come up with a prize for for the victor. Yeah, our uh, our interview got cut off. I didn't get a chance to thank them, but um, uh, I hope we didn't beat them into submission with questions about road projects, which I'm sure they get all the time, all the freaking time. But you know, hey, people people like these roads, and uh, and we so want to know what's going on. When's that super highway coming to Tramway? Did they say? Uh, twenty twenty four. Yeah, yeah, that was a. Uh, no, it was a good talk, and uh, and Lisa brought it at the end with with some fun little trivia. And uh, give me a sample, and I'll I'll try my hand. Um. Uh, which what one state has more roads of maintain miles of maintained road than North Carolina? Texas. True. <laughs> we both missed that one. Yeah, I should have known it was Texas, but. You know, when I moved here, I always heard North Carolina was first, so I was surprised to hear it was second. So the the old joke is amongst North Carolinians is that for the longest time, North Carolina's slogan was "Pave our students," because we invested so much more in roads than we did in school. Huh. So there, there you go. Pave our students. So, hey, I have a quick story that has to do with online learning, um, has to do with my job. And uh, I'm doing, I've been working on a story for the past year for Campbell University about a prison learning initiative. Um, And I started it last year and I was going to follow a professor, two professors, to the Sampson County Correctional Facility. And I was uh, going to join them and sit in on a classroom, an English class for prisoners and uh, write about the uh, state funding that's been put into this and uh, the statistics of a prisoner who goes through and earns their degree in college and how um, they become l- far less uh, likely to become repeat offenders if they, if they go through this program. And there's been a PBS documentary about it from New York. That's really good. So yeah, all these plans and then the pandemic hits and our professors can no longer go to the um can no longer go to the correctional facility and it kind of halted the program in the spring well they started it back up this summer to finish the semester and they allowed the the inmates to who are taking the class to do it online they originally weren't allowed to do it online but you know special circumstances they let them do it and so today i got to sit in on an online class with uh about eight um uh men who are incarcerated in Sampson county and listen to their last day of their their English class, and I didn't know what to expect in it. And what happened is, for an hour and a half, I sat and listened to eight men uh, talk about um, literature, talk about poetry, talk about um, this play that uh, um, uh, "Water by the Spoonful," I think, and to talk about hero characters and talk about. Uh, growth in their characters and then at the end of the class they all talked about how they've grown throughout this whole thing and wow I mean you know me I'm I'm a skeptic I'm a cynic I'm I'm all of this and and you know I, I'll hear inspiring stories and go yeah whatever but I sat in this class uh, pretty dumbfounded by uh, just just how how far these guys have come along, I guess, in in the three years that they've been doing this program and to talk about what it means to them and to talk about uh, what they hope to take from it and uh, and what they hope to to make of their lives. Uh, Really, really inspiring. Kind of makes you um, kind of makes you wish you could go back to your own college and pay better attention sometimes because these guys all understand that they're very fortunate to be going through what they're going through. And just at the very end of it, one of the, uh, one of the inmates said something to the extent of, 
Uh, it's because of this class that uh, two hours of the day, I don't feel like a prisoner. I was like, wow, that's pretty, pretty big stuff. So that's a, that's a story I'm very happy to be working on right now. And, uh, um, and it was an experience today that, that I won't forget. And it, and I was just, you know, doing it online. I can't imagine if I was actually there and going through having to see some of their conditions that they're in and things like that. So I just wanted to share that. It was, uh, it was a rare, serious moment for me and, you know, back to the, Back to the yucks now. Back to gin pop. Back to gin pop. Yeah. That no, that is fascinating. Well, thank you. That's why I shared it. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I mean, honestly, though, I I'm I'm a cynic. I I joke about things. And I don't take things seriously all the time. And and uh, hang on, I'm grabbing. My You're very. You, you can be very dismissive, like like you were just now with me, and and like you were that time you dismissed me. When you fired me, <laughs> uh, <laughs> one. Wait, wait. Good screaming, everybody. So, our guests today are uh, Lisa Mathis and Brandon Jones. Lisa is uh, Lee County's Highway Commissioner uh, for is it Division Eight. Yeah. Um, yes, it's the uh, Department of Transportation board member. That's okay. But and, if you want to call me commissioner, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I've been called a lot of things. <laughs> and uh, we also have Brandon Jones, who is the division engineer. And Division 8, I guess, tell us uh, what part of the state that encompasses. So Division okay. 8 uh, encompasses eight counties. Um, and then we go from uh, Randolph and Montgomery all the way down to the to the border of South Carolina. So um, let's see, Randolph, um, Montgomery, Moore, Lee, Chatham, Hoke, Scotland, and Richmond counties. Okay. And Lisa, your position is it's a political appointment. And Brandon, you're with the department as sort of the day-to-day stuff for the division is that can you just tell us how that works sure yeah so uh, as a division engineer i'm responsible for everything that happens in dot in those eight counties from day-to-day operations uh, that includes planning uh, designing projects constructing bridges or roadways or roadsides uh, we have two rest areas uh, maintain and operate as well uh, so it's pretty extensive. We have in, in North Carolina, we have roads we maintain and we have interstates that we maintain. So uh, North Carolina not having uh, county maintained roadways uh, is a, a pretty big infrastructure from a state maintenance viewpoint. Don't let Brandon fool you. He just went right into what was happening, um, you know, in, in terms <laughs> of the state. But he is he's he and the other division engineers. So we have a head division engineer for each of the 14 divisions across the state. And they are phenomenal. Not only, you know, do they have all this engineering um, knowledge and capabilities and years and years with with the Department of of Transportation, they understand the complexities of everything. Um, But but each um, each of the 14 divisions has a specific division engineer and they are our are literally our rock stars of the Department of Transportation. They're rather amazing. So anyway. <laughs> well, so you, you, the two of you guys gave a presentation. I want to say in the late. It looks like it was in the fall. I, I, I wrote a story about it back when you did this presentation about some of the the projects specific to Lee County that that people ask about. And I know that there were delays because of um, hurricane damage that you know that led to some of these things being delayed. And I imagine. COVID has made things worse. Can you guys just talk about what some of those projects are? Because we get asked all the time, you know, when's this happening? When's this happening? Brandon, why don't you take that? I can talk about the, um, you know, sort of the funding issues, but go ahead and talk about the, what's happening in the state. Okay. I'm sorry. In Uh, our division. Yeah. All right. Well, our projects, uh, we have a, a, a 10 year program called our state transportation improvement program. And it's a fiscally constrained program. And we're in the middle of, of uh, reprogramming some of those projects now because of the, the financial issues that we've had over the past uh, two years. And, and COVID just uh, put an exclamation point on that. And Lisa will get into that in a minute. But we've got 
you know, in Lee County, uh, in our current 10-year step, we've got seven highway projects, over $200 million uh, worth of highway projects in our step. And they range from, uh, you've probably seen, if you've driven NC42 from Horner Boulevard out toward Broadway and Broadway Road, you've already seen um, some utility relocation work happening with that project. But that's, uh, that's a project that we plan on letting in April of, of 2022 to take NC42 to a four-lane divided facility and then widening Broadway Road uh, to a three-lane roadway. So uh, very much anticipated project. Um, that's one that we had to uh, relocate um, graves at Shallow Well uh, as part of the project, unfortunately, but that part has been complete and we're finishing up the utility relocations over the next few months and uh, should be on board to let that in April of 2022. And then we have projects like Kelly Drive, uh, the realignment of Kelly Drive at Central Carolina Community College. Uh, that's one of the, the highest priority projects for the county because it fits in with the community college's master plan. So we had just started kicked off, kicking off the engineering on that project when we had to push the pause button back in August of 2019. But we're, we look forward to starting that one back up pretty soon, hopefully. And that one has a, a let date of March 22 of 2022. When you, say, go, when you yes. say let date, that means that that's when you accept bids or? That's correct. Okay. That's, that's when we open bids. That's correct. So I advertise sometime uh, ahead of that schedule, advertise for those bids. Um, we also have a, a commerce drive extension from Lee Avenue. You know, take existing commerce where it ends now, and there's a lot of development going on toward the end of that road and uh, extending that over to Lee Avenue. That's a little bit further out. That's a, a 2030 uh, letting. And but Carthage Street widening, uh, you've probably been to the you may have been to the public meeting that we had a couple of years ago about this project. But uh, we're going to take Carthage Street, um, do some upgrades to it, uh, put a median uh, down the middle of Carthage Street, three roundabouts at Wicker, which is NC42, one at Fields and Fire Tower. And we've got that in, in 2024 letting. That one did slip a little bit from its original letting schedule, but uh, 2024 is when we plan to let that one now. So we've been working uh, a lot with uh, the town uh, to make sure what they want to see in that project gets done. Also, I, U.S. Go ahead. No, no. Well, I was just going to say, I guess this is a good time to um, discuss how the, the hurricane last fall impacted some of these things. I remember at the time hearing that the, the funding that had to go for disaster relief kind of pushed some of these things back. I wonder if you guys could tell me a little bit about that. Well, let's, let's back up a little bit so we can sort of show, tell you about, um, you know, the situation we were in prior to the hurricanes. The hurricanes compounded, a, you know, multiple problems, but, um, but, you know, let, let, let's push it back a little bit and start with, um, you know, sort of the, how would you say it? The perfect storm of a lot of events came together at one time. Sure. So, um, I mean, we did have, you know, three hurricanes, um, you know, boom, 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 pretty quickly. Um, and where we would normally have about $64 million set aside for, or that's what we would generally spend on disaster relief. And that, that can include other things too, like rock slides and, um, you know, flooding, uh, ice events and things sure. like that. But those three years in a row, we averaged $220 million a year. So it was a very, very big hit for us um, all at one time. We also had um, a situation where we are legislatively bound to stay within, you know, within a particular cash balance. We have a ceiling that we can't, you know, exceed and we have a floor. So we're supposed to stay in there and that, you know, gives us the amount of money on hand to be able to pay for the projects that, you know, that we're, that we're doing. Um, and our, um, our amount, the amount of money uh, was pushing well past the ceiling. So what that means is that we we have too much of taxpayers' money, right? So it's it's our obligation, and we were um, we were uh, highly encouraged to to get projects out. So so there's a balance of having enough shovel ready projects for when you have the money to be able to use them. Um, 
But if you have the money and not enough shovel-ready projects, you end up with too much, uh, too much cash, if that makes any sense. Sure. So, um, so we put, pushed out a slew of projects, um, you know, getting them out here. That's why we're known as the Great Road State, right? We're out there working hard and, and, and pumping this um, money and, and work back into North Carolina because it's North, Carolina, North Carolinians that we're hiring to do all of this. So we, you know, we were successful in bringing, bringing that down. Um, and then we were also hit with the, um, the MAP Act. So um, that's, that was, the MAP Act was legislation that happened 30 years ago that sort of allowed the DOT to sort of put holds on land that we thought that we were going to be using at some point in the future. Um, but the judge judges ruled that, you know, it is not fair for us to be holding on to, um, somebody's property for 20 years and, you know, having them not be able to sell it. So, um, they put all that forth, but, um, the amount of money that it was going to cost us to then purchase all this land, um, was, um, absolutely astronomical. So that put an enormous hit um, on the, on the budget of the DOT. So, um, you know, and then, and there's, there's other things involved with that. So if we're going to say, um, set aside, um, land for a, a bypass, let's just say we have to have the preliminary engineering done so that we know exactly which parcels of land we need to buy at this point. Um, so we had a pretty um, extensive preliminary engineering bill in order to pay the MAP Act um, money that we needed to, to, uh, to the individuals. So, um, so it, it just, it, it, it was a perfect storm, honestly. And then we got three storms on top of that. And, and those three hurricanes don't even include some of the massive uh, snow events that we had at the time. So, um, when you add all that together, um, that's, that's what was really coming down in, uh, 20, 2019. And, you know, as, as Brandon said, we, you know, sort of put the brakes on things. So COVID is, is literally just another massive storm on top of all of that. Well, I wanted so, to ask about yeah, that because yeah. I mean, it really does reach into every area of public policy. Like how does, how, how has DOT been affected by this? Well, um, like everybody else, we're, you know, trying to, uh, to do exactly, you know, follow what the governor's mandating in terms of social distancing, things like that. So um, as Brandon could probably tell you day to day, we're doing a lot more work from, from home. Um, but Brandon, why don't you talk about what, what we're seeing in the division in terms of um, how it's affecting um, uh, the people that work for the DOT? Sure. Yeah. Well, as you know, uh, everybody doesn't have the, the flexibility to work from home because we are boots on the ground. We have to respond to any type of emergency situations uh, from a maintenance standpoint, uh, still need to do routine maintenance, uh, which includes mowing, filling potholes, uh, shoulder drop offs, things like that. So in those type of operations, uh, our folks are meeting with staggered schedules. They're meeting in different spots of our uh, maintenance yards so they can limit exposure. Now, obviously, you still have to, to ride together, so we're, we're wearing masks when that physical separation is not a possibility. Uh, so face coverings are, are mandatory for those type of situations. Um, and then we have you know inspectors that have to inspect uh, what the construction contractors are, are building. Uh, to make sure that we're getting the, the quality that we're supposed to get uh, in the construction contracts. Um, and then you've uh, got other folks like uh, uh, myself that have flexibility to uh, telework a lot more. And, you know, platforms like Zoom and, and others allow us to, uh, you know, share information. And, you know, we weren't really used to these type of platforms uh, a few months ago, but now we are very much used to those. So I think that's going to stay with us for a, a long time. And, and we'll see utilizing these things, even as we get back to uh, whatever normal looks like in upcoming months. Uh, so it's, it's been a, a, a transition with the, the initial shutdown. Uh, we had a lot more people out, uh, but as they've come back to the workforce, uh, we've been able to, to do so in a, in a safe manner. And uh, we, we felt pretty, really good about how we've been able to get folks back into the, the, the workforce and at the uh, facilities and uh, being able to maintain safe, uh, safe facilities. 
as you can imagine, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just going to add on that, as you can imagine, um, with the shutdown, uh, nobody was driving. So because our funding is, um, you know, tied to the motor fuel tax, we, you know, took a huge hit in terms of uh, revenues, particularly the first couple of months. Um, It stabilized um, a little bit more. We've got, you know, a lot more people are back on the roads driving now, but we took another huge hit with that. So. Yeah. So yeah, Julie, no, did you have I, a question? Well, I was going to interject, and I, I'm sure mm-hmm. you're. It's all about what what what's coming. What's uh, what are you guys doing now? Mm-hmm. And and you guys have already touched a little bit on that. And um, I don't want this to be broken down into well, what's going on with this project. What's going on with this project? However, I'm going to ask what's going on with this project. Um, a, few year, a few years back, we wrote about a uh, smart street idea that was coming on US one. And the tramway area. I understand that's a that's a U.S. highway, so maybe that's completely out of your your realm or, or what. But um, what uh, what where are we at on that? Um, what and why why is tramway being looked at for this uh, smart highway, smart or no no super street? That's what it was called. Super um, street. Yeah. Yeah. Why is it being looked at for that idea? And uh, what has to happen to, to make that happen first? Well, we uh, we look at it because, you know, we have um, intersections that are, what do you call them, high conflict intersections. So um, that's that's one reason that we've been moving towards um, towards more super streets. But I do know the project's been delayed because of the, um, well, for several reasons, but one of which would be um, to not, you know, it's going to be a, a long and extensive project in terms of uh, disrupting traffic. And we don't want to do that ahead of um, the U.S. Open. So, Brandon, why don't you talk a little bit more about um, about that particular project? Sure. So, so one thing we've done is is gone from a uh, called a smart street to reduce conflict intersections. It kind of explains when you when you put super street or smart street out there, it, uh, people have this just massive idea of what it may look like in the future. Uh, but really, what we're what you do with those type of situations. And, and going back to the U.S. one corridor, you know, going back to, yeah, we maintain U.S. highways and interstate ways as well. But uh, U.S. one is such a important road, not just for the, the local area of Sanford and Tramway uh, because of the businesses up and down the roadway, but regionally uh, because it, it moves, you know, 30 some thousand cars a day through that area. Uh, so, uh, yes, quite a few of those cars a day are local traffic, but there's a lot of people that rely on the mobility of that corridor to get them to and from uh, business, uh, to and from places of work and, and other things. So the US-1 corridor to us is extremely important to, to keep moving uh, that through traffic. So what a reduced conflict intersection does is really simplifies signal operations. You know, We're not taking this road to a freeway, which would have no driveways or at-grade intersections because it's just not at that need yet. You can get a lot more capacity by, in the interim time, moving to a reduced conflict uh, intersection corridor. What you're doing is instead of all the uh, turning movements coming together at a single point at one intersection, you're spreading those turning movements out. There's a lot more U-turns involved, a lot more signalized U-turns involved. But what you do is you improve mobility by having simpler signals to go through. So you have less time involved with each signal. And also you improve safety because all the conflict points, those are chances to have uh, crashes at each intersection is reduced. Uh, what we've seen in studies is that these type of improvements reduce crashes at these intersections by like 46% compared to conventional intersections. So they've proven to be a lot safer and they've proven to be able to move traffic on that through road a lot more effectively. So the initial project actually had us uh, proposing an interchange at Pendergrass. Now you can imagine when they're building an interchange and what that might do to uh, surrounding land impacts. So the town asked us, could we look at, instead of doing an interchange, look at a reduced conflict type of intersection. So we looked at that from a traffic standpoint and found that a reduced conflict intersection would be fine to use in that location and obviously we were doing that with the rest of the core all the way down to 15501 on the south end of tramway so setting this up um, right now we've done some engineering work on it we weren't quite ready to have a public meeting so that's our next step 
I'm not sure when we're going to turn engineering back on. Uh, this was another one that was paused last August. It's scheduled for a July 2024 construction let after the, the U.S. Open. This will be a, a major route to get people to and from the uh, the Raleigh area for the U.S. Open in 2024. So it's scheduled to begin construction uh, after that time frame. Uh, but it's a very important project to the area. Uh, in the meantime, we're continuing to work with the, uh, the town of Sanford and uh, local developers as they continue to look at this area to develop property and how uh, our our project may impact their development. Okay. Well, uh, two of the two of the biggest road projects that um, that I've experienced. I've lived in North Carolina for about uh, 13 years now here in Lee County. And uh, shortly after I got here, um, there was talk of the U.S. 420 or no, yeah, the 421 bypass, um, which was a massive project and is now complete. And uh, my first, so my first question is about this bypass. Uh, we've had several years now to to see um, just the impact that it's had on, on our area. I understand. I've got a garbage truck coming behind me. I apologize, but uh, but. Um, yeah, so it was uh, many reasons for it. One of them was because of all the 18-wheelers and, and massive vehicles that were actually coming through the city of Sanford and downtown Sanford. And you can tell a lot of that's been alleviated. But just what has uh, the bypass so far meant to, to Sanford and, and how has it benefited in these last five, whatever, five, ten years? Well, I think it goes back to, to what you just said. You had so much traffic that was coming through you know, what used to be 421 through town. Mm-hmm. Anytime you create a bypass, you're removing those through movements from that local road. Uh, so it allows uh, that local road to see less congestion, improves the safety on the local road, which is now, you know, the Corner Boulevard, 421 business. Um, so uh, it's been very beneficial have the, the 421 bypass because I'm sure if you ever travel that route, especially toward the uh, 87 end, uh, it's, it is a, a lot of traffic on that road. So as the South end has grown, uh, there's no doubt it's had a benefit to what would have been traffic coming through town. And the, uh, the other road, the other project that it is not here, but it's certainly benefited people here. Um, my airport commute is cut down dramatically because of the tollway that was built um, and that will be extended, I understand. Um, not really a question about that tollway, but uh, this was North Carolina's first toll road, if I understand. And uh, I'm wondering if toll roads are being looked at more in the future in our state. Uh, they're easier to use. Um, that one's rarely ever congested. Like I said, it's a more direct shot to the uh, to the airport, is this something that we're going to see more of in the state? You think? Well, I don't. I don't know how much more we're going to see, but I know that they are looking at it. Um, you know, we've got the NC First Commission that is working really hard and um, trying to come up with ideas. You know, gleaning ideas from all over the country um, in terms of uh, working out how we're going to handle. Um, you know, apart from the disasters we talked about. Um, we need a new model in terms of how we get re- revenue for the Department of Transportation because it's only declining. You know, if it's all based on um, how much gas we're spending, it's it's been declining for a while. So we've got uh, people looking at that, and that is that is one per, that is one um, option. But it's going to be a multifaceted situation, and hope, we're hoping to hear um, some uh, concrete ideas from them by December. So. Um, I want to pivot a little bit, uh, but another reason that I thought it'd be good to have you on was the the last cover story that we had before the pandemic hit was about the possibility of passenger rail uh, returning to Sanford, and we did a pretty lengthy story on it, and we don't need to necessarily rehash that, but I'm curious, has there been any movement on that front, or has like everything else with COVID and, and the funding issues, has it kind of well, uh, yeah, that's a really great question. Um, we did uh, receive a grant from um, from the federal government uh, kind of during COVID. So we've been quietly figuring out how we can make the matches and things like that. But um, it is um, it, it is a project that's continuing continuing to go forward. It would mean a lot 
not just for uh, for Sanford, you know, in terms of being able to have quick access to Raleigh, um, in terms of commuter rail and things like that, but also, um, you know, in terms of uh, changing the the southeast corridor um, from DC to down to Atlanta, like it would, it really would make a huge impact. So um, the purchase for uh, that part of the S line has been made by Virginia. Um, we haven't done that yet, but we are working in concert with a lot of our others, um, our, our neighboring states in order to help push this through. We're, we're very excited about it. So um, it's just along with everything else has, has definitely been delayed for sure. So Sure. Sure. I, I've lived in, uh, I've lived in several states and uh, some states have terrible reputations for the roads. For example, Arkansas. Uh, for example, Louisiana, when I lived in Louisiana, uh, you ever try to drive through I-10, it's, uh, it's a mess. And um, one of the first things we noticed when we moved to North Carolina was, wow, the, the roads here are just, you know, they're, they're great for the most part. The, the highways are all smooth and, and just everything's well done. Um, I later learned that a lot of that has to do with ge- geography and, and topography and uh um, heat and, and swampland in Louisiana and a number of factors. But so to simplify the question, uh, aside from just having great engineers and and uh, um, and people who do a great job, what makes uh, why does North Carolina have better roads than most states? Is it a geographic thing or is it just better people? <laughs> well, it might be better investment too. <laughs> and yeah. You know, we I mean, we are known as the good road state for a reason that we we do value um, what good roads mean. They mean um, obviously we we have a lot of tourism around here. People love that. People love coming to see our our wildflowers on the side of the road. Um, but it's it's absolutely critical for um, getting goods to market and, and moving, you know, all kinds of economy happens all over those roads. So you're looking at a state that's growing like crazy and, um, and, and having good roads is, is part of that. And so, um, it's, it's a priority for the state. So I feel like that's why you see it, but, um, Brandon can talk to you about, um, (laughs) humidity and resurfacing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to touch on the people first because, I mean, uh, yeah. I appreciate Lisa's comments earlier about the division engineers myself, but really uh, we've got uh, in Division 8 uh, almost 450 employees that, that come to work and take great pride in Absolutely. what they do every single day. And mm-hmm. I tell you, they they uh, never cease to amaze me. If you put a challenge in front of them, they they come up with a solution. And, you know, they they take pride because they live in the areas that they're serving. Uh, so they want to, they run into their family and their, you know, they run into people at the grocery store or at church. They're going to hear about it. And so they, <laughs> they take great pride in, in serving and living in their area. And I think that's, I think that's something special that North Carolina has with the way we have our road system. Um, and yes, maintaining subdivisions and, and county roads can be definitely a challenge because it's just so large uh, of a system. But, you know, it, that puts us uh, working where we live. And, and that's a big deal. It really is. And so it, it really goes to the, the folks that uh, are out there um, uh, working hard every single day uh, to keep these roads open, keep them in good shape and making sure that we can uh, be the economy driver that transportation systems are. You, you make a really good point. You know, as the media, we hear a lot of what are they doing there? I'm, I'm sure it's that's dwarfed by what you guys get on a daily basis just from people, you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and you think about all these disasters that we've had, um, it's, it's, it's our people that are out there working hard and um, staying up all night and responding to flooding ro- flooded roads. And, you know, they're sort of the unsung heroes in terms of, um, you know, the people that um, are first responders in a lot of ways, and they allow first responders to be able to get, get to, uh, to, to issues and, and to help people and save lives. So, we, we do. We have the best people. So. I, know in, uh, I know when we do road stories, they get the most hits. I know in Texas, mm-hmm. uh, a county commissioner in Texas, that is usually their, their job is just roads. Like I, mm-hmm. I learned that 
going back to Texas. That's where I grew up going back to Texas. And I had a friend who ran for county commissioner and they said, that's all we do is roads. It's 95% of our, our work is, is road work. So people are passionate about this. And I mean, understandably, you, they, you spend a lot of your life on roads. So, you know, why not? You, you It's something that you should be able to uh, not worry about as much. So we really appreciate what you guys do, certainly. I have a couple of fun we facts have, for you. Oh, we like fun facts. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, it's, actually, okay, it's going to be more of a, um, of a trivia game, but um, Brandon, you're not allowed to play. <laughs> <laughs> you can raise your hand if you know, but you're not allowed to play. Um, and this goes right to what you're talking about, Billy. Um, how many road miles does the North Carolina Department of Transportation maintain? Oh, my God. Uh, wow. Uh, three billion. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hundred counties, I'm going to say. Uh, I'm not. This is all funny math here, but. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say 300,000 miles. I'm going to say twice that i'm gonna go with six hundred thousand. all right billy for the win so so brandon you get to keep score billy billy gets it over eighty thousand miles well, that was not i wasn't um, even close <laughs> okay and north north carolina dot is the second largest state maintained roadway network in the nation second only to california new york i'm just name all the big states gordon yeah uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, uh, Virginia. No, how about Texas? Since okay. you live there. <laughs> that, was the, that was the obvious answer. There are so, there are so many back, back roads in Texas. Just so many back roads. There Texas. are. There I really are. That. Yeah. Um, okay. How and, and in some states, the, the counties maintain the roads. So we don't do that here specifically. Okay. How many bridges do we maintain? 500. Uh, that'd be five per county. I'm going to go higher than that. I'm going to go uh, 1,200. Billy for the win on this one. Sorry, Gordon. Wow. Over 13,500 bridges. Wait, we're still not even close. <laughs> I know. <Yeah. laughs> this is why uh, we're meant, doing this. I, I feel 12, like this is educational. Yeah. I meant 12,000. That's what I meant. 12,000. <laughs> I'm um, absolutely getting slaughtered out here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We are the ninth most popular state. Where do you think we rank in the most highway fatalities? Second? I'm gonna I'm gonna say, well, Billy, do you mean we have the second most or second least? I'm going to guess because oh. of the quality of our roads that we actually have a relatively good ranking as far as I'm going to say that we're in the, the, the top 10 safest. I'll say we're well, safest. We, are the- since we have a whole lot of roads. We're probably <laughs> in about 20th safest. Okay. We're fifth. So um, I think it's, <laughs> yeah, Gordon wins that one. I think there's a lot of rural road uh, fatalities too, um, but wear your seatbelt, people. That's what that. That's what the the uh, lesson is from that one. How many shoulder miles do we mow a year? Hmm. Well, the answer to the first question was eighty thousand. So I'm going to guess 40,000. No, Uh, (laughs) 10,000. Over 2.2 million. Wow. You you have to mow a lot. (laughs) I tried to logic that one and just failed miserably. (laughs) Oh, I I was just counting roads. I wasn't counting miles. Okay. Shoulder miles. Shoulder miles. I was just counting roads. Okay. Well, we're we're terrible. (laughs) (laughs) how many rest areas does the dot maintain oh um uh 80 i was gonna say like 45 58 so i was closest without going over are we we're tied now billy i i think you are (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay um 
how many air how many publicly owned airports are in North Carolina? Um, Six twelve. Sixty. Seventy-two. Ah, okay. Yes. How many are in how many are in division eight? Um, I can think of six. I'm gonna say six. I'm gonna say four. Seven. Ah, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right. Um, how many active traffic cameras do we have in the state? Traffic cameras. Like red light cameras or? As opposed to the decoy ones. <laughs> mm, I mean, that's got to be a big number. Uh, 2,000. Uh, 15,000. 900. That oh, goes to Gordon. <laughs> All right. And how many dynamic message signs where we can respond to conditions and accidents do you think are in the state? Oh, I see a lot of those. Uh, Three hundred. I'm going to say five hundred. Hold on, I dropped it. Nine. Uh, three hundred. Mm. 300 300 for the win points extra points i want to go you mentioned the traffic cameras Mm -hmm. um obviously i know you can't recommend driving through a red light but if somebody drove through a red light with like the fake glasses and the nose and the mustache would that prevent them from Uh being able to ticket you do they have the fake the fake glasses and the nose on the license tag too oh yeah (laughs) Yeah, they get they get you there. Oh no, it's uh, you know, I said in the interview is. Few stories get as many hits as when we tell everybody about a road project. And I remember when uh, one of the earliest big stories we did at the Herald was the uh, the the new bypass that came through. And I remember when it was complete, we did <laughs> we tried to do a story. I don't know if we ever did it, but we talked about it where we timed ourselves. We John getting, and I did this. Yeah, getting yeah, through. We did that going and through I, Sanford I, and going around Sanford. <laughs> I screwed yeah. up my math. In, in in my writing, I had a mistake, and I would have had to been going like 180 miles an hour to, to do what I did. I remember Brooke Wolf and I took that journey together. I think we won too. I think we were like, we did the through town version. You went the bypass. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, so the yeah, bypass. We won by like two minutes. No, the bypass isn't really for Sanford residents, it doesn't really get you anywhere quicker. But the one thing it did was it uh, prevented the 18 wheelers and the, the drive through, you know, crowd from coming down our streets. And um, I know you guys remember prior to the bypass when you would just have all sorts of uh, 18 wheeler accidents on, on US one, uh, one of which was a chicken truck and it led to some of our better headlines or discussed headlines <laughs> um when a chicken truck overturned and uh I can't like did remember. you write like clucking disaster or something it was something like that that, that, uh, that wouldn't have that wouldn't have flown no no kidding i'm sure the word foul, just for every, just for everything <laughs> i'm sure the word foul came in into it somewhere, oh but yeah but we used to have accidents out there all the time and uh i think that's gone down because of the bypass and and i use the bypass a lot too so i like it Good job, Sanford. Yeah, uh, it's funny when you, you know, I live like south of Tramway, like way far from the bypass. But like if you have to go to Anger or somewhere or like Fayetteville and Google Maps will take you up US1 to get on the bypass to go around the city. Yeah. It just yeah. seems like a huge waste of time, but it, it actually saves you time. Yeah. Yeah, if you're... If you're trying to get out of town, I think the bypass does 
yeah. does get you there faster than if you go through town. I remember I wrote in my business column one time, like right after it was finished, that they should do a loop around from tra- tramway to um, whatever that area is. <laughs> Carolina Trace. Wow. Sorry about that. Get, get no. out of here. <laughs> and, um, and then have like a whole circle around Sanford, like a belt line. That would be awesome. Yeah. I can see that. So you would just have to connect 87 to to US-1, I guess. Yeah. What would you be building through there? What is that? Lemon Springs? Lemon Springs and Swan, oh, I don't know. St. Yeah. Andrews Church. Swan Road. Station. Well, anyways, uh, thank you to Brandon and to Lisa for, for joining us. And uh, um, yeah, here we are. We are uh, entering the the new school year entering the midway point of August uh, fall is almost coming and, and all these great things, but uh, I want to kind of start talking about uh, schools, colleges, and, um, and where we're at with all those, because it seems like a few of our, few of our colleges in North Carolina have become uh, uh, national punchlines because of their attempts to have in, in person classes that went horribly wrong now. And, uh, I know, I know our writer, Laura went to UNC and, uh, I guess even before classes started, they, they ended up quitting there. So that's where we're at now. I I don't think any of this is going to get any better anytime soon. (laughs) I don't know that it is either. I don't know what you do though. There's, so, I mean, but what it is, it's it's off-campus parties. That's got to be it, right? I mean, that's what UNC is saying all this is coming from. And and uh, I'm a graduate yeah. of East Carolina, and when I heard about the 400-kid party that was broken up, I was not surprised in the least. So, in my other job, we, uh, we actually wrote an uh, op-ed about this um, very topic, but... Um, yeah, you got to be able to trust these people to be adults. They're not elementary students anymore, you know. They got to there has to be punishments for for not taking I mean, because people are losing their jobs because of this, you know. I mean, right. If they go all online, there's no need for I mean, there so, is yeah, a need, but I work at a university and and they have in-person classes right now and and so far so good with it, but you're absolutely right, John. Uh if a university is not getting the money for room and board, then the university is not able to function like a university is supposed to uh, room and board and tuition. So if you go completely online with your classes, then yes, you're still taking in tuition, but then you're refunding millions of dollars in room and board fees. And uh, you end up firing uh, on-campus staff who work at these dorms. you end up, having to let go of uh, cafeteria workers, of uh, all the people that have to maintain a university for these students. A lot of jobs are lost, and it's it's terrible. This is really terrible. And it really just comes down to parties. And, you know, I ain't got to wear my mask. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to a yeah. – what do you even call them, keggers anymore? I, don't, I have no idea. I don't think we ever actually called them keggers either. I think that's a movie, a made-up movie term. Yeah. Keg- kegerator. You and your chums hop in the jalopy and go to the <laughs> go to the hoedown. <laughs> we well, I received a what I guess is a letter to the editor, um, and I don't think that we're going to publish it. But it was talking about the mask situation at the tramway Bojangles, and this gentleman mm-hmm. wrote in a very lengthy piece about how he was asked to wear a mask. And then he compared that to um, the segregated South and the The uh, the whites only Hitler's concentration camps in Nazi Germany. What are your thoughts? Look, I got a call from Senator Tom Tillis. Answer it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I wonder what that is. On the air. Come on. Do it on speaker. 
It may be work related though. Oh, no, it can't be. <laughs> answer. It. I just got a. I just have a missed call from a number in Raleigh. I bet it's one of those robocalls. Answer it. Hello. It is him. John, okay. I need you to come to work. <laughs> Man, I won't miss those calls either. How about you guys? Yeah, I will not either. Well, so how's school gone for you guys? School is fine, I guess. I mean, I've ha- I've had to be the teacher this week, but I really haven't done much. But I do really feel bad for these kids. <laughs> I wish yeah. they could just go back to school. It's not I'm, the same. I'm watching my first grader. Teachers are trying. He's... He's watching my first grader. He's holding his hand up and he's saying really cute first grade things. But yeah. It's just, you know, it's just tough. It's just tough. Yeah. It makes you sad. Yep. I feel like the ninth grader likes it. <laughs> he acts like he hates it and it's terrible, but he, I mean, you know, he's. I don't- I don't know if this is an urban legend or what, but I saw something warning teachers that there was a fourth grader somewhere who changed his name to like loading dot, dot, dot yeah, or something. I saw that. Re- reconnect. Reconnect. Yeah. Reconnecting. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but, and you know, I'm not encouraging anybody to skip school, but sometimes you have to appreciate the ingenuity of children. I saw. What about, uh, what about the right. hacking? Oh yeah. Yeah. That was kind of crazy. Well, so as I noted in the story, the hack hacking is kind of a, I mean, it's technically true that this person gained unauthorized access, but it's not like they were, you know, sitting there with, yeah. Yeah. They, they he, just wasn't, he wasn't in a basement in Seattle trying to do this. It's some kid that probably got a hold of the link somehow. Right. And so I, th- I thought that made it, may have been a little sensationalized, but it's still, um, you know, for somebody to, to get into a virtual classroom and display that kind of content is it's, it's not good. I laughed in the WRL story when it said it listed off of a few of the disturbing images he posted. Uh, one of the dis, quote unquote disturbing images was Donald Trump. 